Hello, everybody. Hi. How are you? Um, I'm good. Thanks for asking. Anyways, well, hello, this is Sarah, and you are listening to The Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. We're broadcasting live from UBC Point Grey campus on the unceded Musqueam territory in Vancouver. Um, if it's your first time listening to us, hello, welcome. Hopefully you'll like it. Um, and we have a great show for today. I just, um, it's our last show for the year. We're not going to be back until January because, well, um, finals, <laughs> it's, this is a student run show and <laughs> we need to study for finals. Anyways, so yeah, um, hopefully you'll like our last show for the year. We're going to start with some shout outs. So... We have three shout outs. The first one is for shiny, shiny, fuzzy. Wow, this is hard to say. <laughs> it's for the shiny, fuzzy, muddy show. So uh, what is the shiny, fuzzy, muddy show? You might be asking. This is the 17th annual artist curated collection of fine art, craft and design. So um, if you've been listening for a while, you might know I've talked about the handpick um handmade um, event that happens at Heritage Hall uh, they had a fashion one and they had a house decor one and I talked about both of those and um, hint hint if you want to listen to those go to CITR's web- website and all of our episodes are podcasted so you can go back and listen to everything anyway so yeah this is kind of similar to that and um, unfortunately it is like 2019 is the final shiny fuzzy muddy show so this is your last chance to catch it it's going to be at the heritage hall which is on main street so it's really easy to get there december 14th and 15th this is their final and farewell show um they're gonna have jewelry ceramics glassware fine art clothing and accessorize holiday ornaments home decor children toys so it's it's there's a lot of stuff i'm sure you should like you could find something for you because there's a lot of it's like it's not like there's only one person selling holiday ornaments or one person selling clothing there are multiple people selling you know all kinds of different and unique stuff and um yeah, I don't know what to say. This is really, it's really interesting. I'm going to be going either, well, on the 14th or the 15th because, you know, that's the two dates that they are <laughs> having it. And um, it's really cool because everything is handmade and local and it's just, you know, support local. It's important. <laughs> well, anyways, I'm going to pass on to our second shout out to just, okay, quick reminder, f- December 14th, 15th, hair to all. It's called Shiny Fuzzy Muddy Show. Okay, so our second shout out is for Graham, Graham, Gr- wow, I do not know how to pronounce her name. Um, Graham Clark's 24-hour 24 24-hour 24 stand-up comedy. So basically, <laughs> you heard it right. This is a 24-hour comedy stand-up. Um, so Graham Clark, who is the stand-up comedist, com- comedist? Is that a word? Comic? Comedian. That is the word. Yes. Wow. I My brain is not working today. 
<laughs> um, anyways, so he will be starting his set on November 29th and at, I'm, I'm pretty sure, 7.30, nope, 8 p.m. So, yeah, he's going to be starting his set on November 29th at 8 p.m. So that's a Friday. And um, finishing on November t- 30th, 9 p.m. Saturday. So that's actually 25 hours, not 24 hours. So um, that's a lot. And yes, it is actually 24 hours of comedy. He's just going to have some um, bathroom breaks. And besides that, it's just 24 it's literally a full day of comedy what 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 more can you ask for and i mean this is really interesting i uh, really it's it's in two days it's this friday so if you have nothing to do this friday or you know saturday because it is going on on saturday too it's starting on friday night and going on until saturday night so if you don't have anything to do friday night or saturday during the day or saturday night make sure you check out graham clark and his 24 hours of stand-up because this is for sure one for the books and it is at the havana theater if you don't know Havana Theater, it's a really cute place. It's right next to the Havana restaurant. It's a really intimate theater. I really like it. So it's stuff that it's like if something is funny there, is if the show is funny, let's say. And I mean, this is a stand-up comedy, so it, it is going to be funny. <laughs> um, it's even more fun because it's a small group of, group of people. So you kind of share this thing and it's like you're friends with those people, but you're actually not. Anyways, you know what? I'm just going to continue. <laughs> so our last shout out is for the Arts Club's new play, which will be going on at the Gold Corp stage at the BMO Theater Center. It is called It's a Wonderful Christmas-ish Holiday Miracle. Um, <laughs> this sounds... You know, just from the title, pretty funny. I don't know. Um, So I'm just going to read it out to you. The holidays are all about loved ones. But what happens when your parents get divorced, your kid brother is best friends with a stick bug named Ralphie, and your grandma's ghost starts appearing with advice and her iPhone? Oh my god, it's a wonderful life meets modern family in this new Canadian comedy about a family during a complicated season. So... Tonight is the opening night and Lua and I are actually going and unfortunately we're not going to be able to review it because we don't have a show next week but we will be posting about it on our Instagram so shameless plug uh, make sure you follow us in follow us on Instagram because uh, we're by the way it is arts report CIT art um, we post stories from the shows we go to we post post like the posts about what we're going to talk about or you know what is happening so like today we posted about the new moa exhibition so you know if you follow us there you already know that hey good thank you for following (laughs) so yeah uh, we're gonna post stuff on our instagram so make sure you um follow us there and learn more about it's a wonderful christmasish holiday miracle and yeah, it's it's going to be going on for a while. It's the Arts Club's play, just to say that again. Anyways, yeah. And um, <laughs> so 
with these shout outs, I am going to be passing on to a review, which I will be doing. And then after that, we're going to have a quick Adam PSA break. I'm like making up my mind right now. I'm really sorry. It's just finals are really, you know, coming. And then <laughs> I don't know what to do. Low key. You know what? Yeah. So let's start with Hedda Gabler, shall we? Yes, let's do that. So Hedda Gabler is the name of the play. It is put on by True Pulse Productions, which is a rather new um, production company. So Hedda Gabler, the play itself is about Hedda Gabler, <laughs> that is her name, who is, she is, so she gets married to Jorgen and they go to this honeymoon, which is six months long. And then the play starts with them getting back from the honey, honeymoon. And, um, well, let's say Hedda doesn't really actually love Jorgen so she thinks he is boring and it's just she feels like she's living an empty life with him and you know there's just the hard truth truth in her life of you know not knowing what her real purpose in life is and then so there's this kind of exploration of pathology and mental disorder but like you know not just of Hedda everyone else in the play there is a lot of interesting characters I'll say that there's I think six or seven characters in total and um, there's all of them they're really different and um, yeah they're all really interesting as I said and so throughout the play Hedda expresses you know shows her frustration in only destructive attempts of self-realization so you know which is not very good because it um, affects both her and the people around her including Jorgen who is her husband and um so I'm I don't know if I should tell you about the ending or not you know what I'm not gonna go watch it for yourself um so my thoughts on this play I enjoyed it overall. It was a good play. Um, the second act was really intriguing. I just want to say I was like on the edge of my seat during the second act. The first act, however, I was, I am, I have complicated feelings about it. Okay, let's say. So um, one goal that True Pulse Productions have is to um, modernize, you know, old classical place so this play Hedda Gabler it is by Ibsen and so Ibsen's Hedda Gabler it's a pretty classic realist it's it's realist play and so the Triple Productions uh, wanted to modernize it a little and so instead of using a normal stage they used a black box theater which is for those who do not know the audience isn't just on the one side of the stage. The, it's basically all around. It's like 360. Their um, audiences are sitting down. And it's an intimate place. So I think there are only 30 seats per show, which is amazing. Okay, I have to say, I love, like, just like I said about Havana, this, um, I love the intimacy of that. You can see both the 
actors, you know, you can focus on those. But you can also see right across you people sitting down and, you know, watch them if you are interested in, you know, people watching, I want to say, of their expressions of how people are taking it differently because art is very subjective and everybody takes, you know, takes it in in different ways. What I like, you might not like, and what I think is surprising, you might find really boring. So it's it was really interesting to see that. And also, um, a little segue into the lighting, which I talk about way too much. Um, I found that the lighting could be better because it was just too much light so not enough darkness I would say I was I low-key felt like um I was watching a rehearsal in the first act because the second act it was more it was darker in like in all ways (laughs) literally it was darker in the plot it was darker in the lighting and the first act was not and I feel like the fact that it wasn't dark enough that it, it just made it I don't know, a little a little weird for me. I felt like I was watching a rehearsal. But it was a good rehearsal. I mean, the actors... It wasn't a rehearsal. Okay. You know what? <laughs> yes. And um, so another way... A way that they, you know, modernized this play is... They didn't use a normal stage. So they used a catwalk. And I am not joking. There was an actual literal catwalk in the middle of us of the audience and then they use this and one thing that I think this catwalk brought I mean two things one positive one negative the negative thing is that there was a lot of back and forth because it's just long there isn't a lot of you know there's your actions what you can do is limited so there you can just go back and forth up the catwalk down the catwalk and you know that's basically it and then they sometimes sat next to the catwalk but they didn't explore beyond that so I found that a little just a little limiting but the good thing is it was really interesting like when they opened the curtains for us to enter and sit down everybody saw the catwalk and we're like what why is there a catwalk hmm please tell me more elaborate this is interesting um so yeah and what else? What else? <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, so let's talk about the actors, shall we? They were really good. I'm not going to say anything bad about the actors. Don't worry, um, because they were genuinely amazing. Like, okay, the woman who played Hedda Gabler. So Hedda, the character herself, is manipulative, destructive, just overall, you know, an annoying um, I don't want, I don't know how to put it in nice terms, but just the annoying, you know, B word, let's say. Anyways, so she, Jania Cambronero Severin, wow, I butchered that name, I'm really sorry. Anyways, she's a Swedish actor, and apparently, so that's probably why I just butchered that name. Anyways, she plays Hedda Gabler, and she did an amazing job of, you know, portraying the character. She did it so well that I hated her by the end of the play. I was like, oh my God, can she just leave? I don't want to deal with this anymore because 
as I said, she was so manipulative and you could see her mani manipulating the other characters. And I was like, oh my God, you know, just please. <laughs> I don't want her in the play anymore, but like she's the main character. And like, you know, she did such a good job portraying her. I was just uh, tears, but like happy tears, not sad tears. Anyways, and something else I just want to point out is the woman who was playing Thea, I think the character's name was, um, yes, Mrs. Thea Elfstead. So her name is Cassandra Bouchier. And oh my God, was she amazing. I mean, her facial expressions just kind of, I could watch her, you know, facial expressions all day, I want to say, uh, because it was just really good it added something more and i i don't know what it was exactly about her that made me so much you know that pulled me into it but it's just it was so good i honestly i don't know the actors oh and like not just these two i mentioned there's there are a lot of actors that are you know in in this play and by a lot I mean how many do I mean two six four six eight eight actors and all eight of them did an amazing job they were really just just amazing <laughs> I keep saying about my Italian prof literally yesterday when he was talking about the final he was like do not use the word amazing use astonishing and now I'm doing what he told us not to do. So um, I'll just put it in this way. It was astonishing. Everybody was astonishing in this play. And I would recommend seeing it if you want to see a classic play modernized with a catwalk. <laughs> and um, yeah, basically. <laughs> Anyways, so this is how the Hedda Gabler is happening every friday so you can basically catch it but like it's not forever unfortunately <laughs> it is happening every friday um and i believe they have two extra shows and one of them is on december 14th so the actually the closing night is on december 13th a friday it's december 14th a um saturday yes december 14th is a saturday anyway <laughs> wow yes so you can catch it and you can get so much more information about it on online at uh hedagablervancouver.com i want to say yes hedagablervancouver.com exactly and where it is you might ask i am gonna tell you right now it is at um <laughs> should have done my research before coming here right yes it's at moberly arts and cultural center here you go catch hedda gabler on fridays until december 14th which is a saturday uh at moberly arts center <laughs> and if you want tickets go to heddagablervancouver.com and Hedda is H-E-D-D-A. Anyways, yeah. So we're going to go for a little quick Adam PSA break. And then continue with a with an interview of the, with the cast of Old Christmas Tea. Enjoy. 
Hey bro, I was kind of thinking that I might want to write like stuff for a magazine, dude. You know you can do that at CITR and Discorder, right? What? Yeah, you can review live shows where you get in for free or music and books and stuff that's coming out or do write-ups on artists and local issues for Discorder magazine. That's sick, bro. Yeah, just email volunteer at citr.ca and they can help you get started or just come into the station whenever. Dude, I totally will. Redgate Art Society has been the hub of local arts and music in Vancouver since 2012, cultivating space for Vancouver's cultural wildlife in an otherwise barren wasteland. Redgate is having a fundraiser on November 29th, and you are cordially invited. It's going to be a truly magical night of karaoke and dancing. This night is also celebrating the launch of the new Redgate membership program. Becoming a member gets you discounts on shows, drinks, and merch, access to a members-only calendar, and more. If you give a shit about local arts, get yourself down to Redgate on November 29th at 9pm. Bust a move, sing your heart out, and help raise money for simply one of the best places in Vancouver. Hello everyone, I'm Lua and I'm here with James and Jamesy, who are the two comedians who are doing Oh Christmas Tea. Hello guys. Hi Lua, thanks for having us on. Um, I'm so happy you guys were able to take the time and talk to me today. And so you guys are on tour, is that right? Yeah, we just opened last night in Abbotsford. Our tour is taking us to uh, 23 cities in D.C. and the Pacific Northwest and we just... We just started taking off on that ride. That sounds very exciting. And to, when you come to Vancouver, you're running for three days here, correct? Uh, we'll be three days at the Vancouver Playhouse, the beautiful theater downtown right next to the QE. Um, that's December 5th, 6th, and 7th. And we're also doing a show this Sunday uh, at the K-Meek Theater in West Vancouver. Oh, cool. uh, we have also shows branching out uh, into New West, Surrey, um Mission, Maple Ridge, Abbotsford, all around. Wow, that sounds very cool. And so let's talk about Oh Christmas Tea. What exactly is this show about? Uh, I think the show is primarily about celebrating friendship and imagination, which are two things that we think of as being key elements of, of Christmas. And we do it through through a performance at that really supports the audience in in getting in the spirit of play with us. So that that playful, childlike abandon and embrace of the of of the, the imagination, really. And so it's pretty cool. Like uh, like at the beginning of right at the end of November, all the Christmas ornaments start showing up in stores. Aaron and I, Aaron is uh, James, and I'm the Jamesy. <laughs> uh, we pack our show up and hit the road. So it's the Christmas season for us. It's really for a whole, <laughs> it's a two month long process. <laughs> and so, um, it says that it's an immersive theater. In what sense is it immersive? Um, well, it, it, there's a couple ways in which it's immersive. Um, we, <laughs> when people arrive at the theater in the lobby, there's this grand 
tea basket that people uh, can uh, can win in a free raffle, and it gets them in the spirit of just remembering like their grandma's tea set or you know their enthusiasm for tea. It kind of it brings this element of home and comfort uh, as as kind of their entering into this world that we're creating in the theater. And once we're in the theater, um, the action slowly uh, kind of flows off stage into the audience, and the audience find themselves a part of the show. Um, and they can... We have ongoing um, invitations for them to uh, participate to varying degrees so that we can co-create the adventure that is set up by um, the events in the show. Well, that sounds really cool. It's a very interesting way of doing immersive theater that I think is different than what people usually think with immersive theater. Um, it and... is, yeah. I would, I would say, but what's what I particularly enjoy is feeling that there's a togetherness with the audience that we cultivate. So, rather than performing to the audience or entertaining the audience. Every night when we step on stage, we're inviting the audience to play with us. And it's a, for some, it's a challenging game. You know, as adults, we're not often uh, encouraged to, to, to play. But throughout our show, the audience plays a number of roles, both as a whole and as, as individual characters. Some individuals uh, get in to costume and play roles in the sort of classic British pantomime style. There's, there's a uh, clear ways for the audience to start celebrating like children again. Gosh, it's so fun to see adults play. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I mean, the more I talk about the show and the more I want to be involved and I wish I could be, I was going to be able to see it this year, um, but maybe in the near future. And so this is definitely not the first play um, you two have worked together on. Um, how many have you worked together on? We've well, we've done about eight hundred performances together. Wow, that's that's impressive. <laughs> we have uh, four different shows that we perform, and this one um, we tend to do just uh, leading up to Christmas. Yeah, Christmas in July isn't as popular. <laughs> and the type of comedy you do is, as you called it, a British humor. Is there a reason why you chose you choose to go in that direction um, or something that attracts you to this kind of comedy compared to other types? Sure. I think uh, we grew up watching British humor, particularly Monty Python and Mr. Bean. Uh, and there's something that the, the British strive to maintain in their life is the sense of order, the sense of propriety, the sense of... Uh, everything is under control, you know, the whole keep calm and carry on uh, mentality. And we we take that and juxtapose it with uh, these wild environments or experiences, adventures, and it's uh, these opposing tensions of the chaos and trying to trying to hold it in. In O Christmas Tea, the only thing James and James are trying to do is have a proper tea party. <laughs> and... Like, that's their goal. Their goal is to get together and have tea and just be together. And the imagination and the realization that there's an audience there and there's this desire to expand their tea party to include everyone uh, leads to some pretty, pretty fun situations. 
And where so does... if you think of Mr. Bean, like Mr. Bean, all he's trying to do is just live a normal life and do things properly, but but he's thwarted by his uh, eccentricities. Yeah, and where does the flooding of the world with tea comes from, and how does it play a role? I think one, one of the things that holds O Christmas Tea together is uh, the Jamesy character, the eccentric, is trying to figure out what Christmas is all about. And what it comes down to, kind of a theory that he is testing during the show, is that um, the best gifts come from giving itself. And so he, he decides that he wants to give tea to the entire world. <laughs> And he makes a wish that is granted. Uh, and the from his teapot on stage, the stage fills with tea, and then it breaks through the fourth wall into the audience, and eventually the entire world is immersed in tea. And we just have Jamesy's like wacky logic and the kind of collective ideas and efforts of us in the audience to solve the predicament we're in and try to bring everything back to home. Amazing. I mean, why tea, tea is obviously the perfect gift for like the entire world, right? Um, why not? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty, well, in some ways it feels uncontroversial. But I mean, in other ways, there's, it's not, I know. There's been lots of conflict over the world over with regards to tea, but <laughs> we're... We're setting that aside for the moment, and <laughs> I think and appreciating it as a as a time to just tea time is a time to to sort of celebrate togetherness. And what's your favorite part about being these characters, about playing these characters um, in different scenarios? They are really fun when they interact because. The James character is kind of an everyday guy. He's very relatable, friendly, um, kind of very accessible. And the Jamesy character, who's quite eccentric, he, it's, it takes a while for the audience to figure out what motivates this guy and what is his normal. Uh, and so to have, I mean, an analogy would be Mr. Bean up against kind of John Cleese playing a stock kind of prim and proper character. It's like these two guys are so different, but it's their uh, desire to connect with each other that brings them together. And what ensues is just, it's just interesting. <laughs> and a bit madness. <laughs> and that's really cool. I'm guessing that what you guys take out of it is also like just having fun. Because um, it sounds like a very, very fun and entertaining and just all-around wholesome um, experience. And so do you want to remind us where you're going to have your shows and when they're happening? Sure. Um, well, uh, your your listeners are mainly uh, UBC students? Um, not necessarily. We broadcast all over Vancouver. Hi, Vancouver. Hi, Vancouver. <laughs> um, I'm just pulling up the tour here. Of course, with uh, 26 shows, it's hard to remember all the dates. Um, tonight, we're in Maple Ridge. Tonight being uh, Thursday, November 21st. 
On Saturday, November 23rd, we're in Mission at the Clark Theater, um, probably closer to the listeners, West Van on Sunday, November 24th. Um, then we're doing some Vancouver Island and Washington, Portland. Then we're back in Vancouver at the Vancouver Playhouse, December 5th to 7th. Um, and then Victoria, the States, the Islands, <laughs> um, the New West, Massey Theater on December 14th. You know what? There's a show near you. Go to <laughs> jamesandjamesy.com to find out exactly when. Amazing. Um, thank you so much for taking your time in your very, very busy schedule um, to talk to us. And this is very exciting. I hope everyone gets to see the show. Um, again, thank you so much. Thank you, Lua. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Cheerio. Hello, everyone. This is Lua, and I'm here with Shelby, Joelle, and Zach. Uh, and we're going to talk about Caribou Magi. And hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> So Caribou Magi is being put on uh, by Far From the Tree Productions this year at the Havana Theater and is a play written by Lucia Frangioni. And do you guys want to tell us a little bit about what Caribou Magi is about? Sure. Uh, that's always a tricky question because it's <laughs> such a weird, complicated play. Um, I guess in short, it's about four people traveling from San Diego, California, uh, to Barkerville, BC, in the middle of the gold rush in 1870. Uh, they are on their way from one place to another to perform a Christmas play for the people of Barkerville. Um, so they're rehearsing a combination of The Last of the Mohicans, Hamlet, and A Christmas Carol. Um, so, that sounds very intense. Yeah, while, while riding on steamer ships and, and carriages, and once they even ride a camel. Um, so that's one of the one of the big highlights, I guess, in the yeah. place. There's a camel ride. Um, so it's it's just this really fun, heartwarming little farce. But there's some really uh, cool um, moments of digging into some kind of uh, issues around Canada's history and, and things like identity. It's very. And this is going to be far from the tree first production, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so why this play? And I read in the description that it's like you're trying to be an indie theater mm -hmm. production. How is indie theater different than regular theater? Or how would you define regular theater, I guess? <laughs> oh, kill. I'll, I'll take that first question first, and then we can talk about why Karen and Yeah, yeah, sure. Sweet. Um, so I guess the big difference is just we're very small. <laughs> um, the company currently is just Joelle and I. Um, so we formed this uh, together so that we can put on the work that we want to produce. Um, Vancouver, there's a couple sort of big companies that do theater, obviously Arts Club, Barna Beach, Gateway, Pacific Theater, um, and a couple others. Uh, whereas there's also a huge scene for indie artists. So uh, it means that oftentimes we're doing things on a shoestring budget in uh, small rented spaces, but it also means that we have a lot of freedom to mm -hmm. kind of create the work that we're, we're really passionate about, which is quite, quite exciting and fun. Mm -hmm. Um, so why we should have information, um, we, Shelby and I both grew up in northern BC that's in a small little town that's really close to Barkerville, um, and so we grew up going to Barkerville, learning the history of the gold rush in that time, um, and then for the last, uh, three summers, I actually have worked in Barkerville as a historical interpreter, so it's been my job to kind of dress up in Victorian clothing and tell all the visitors about the history of it, 
Um, so I actually found or was given the play um, by one of my coworkers there when I was working there the first summer, and I kind of fell in love with it ever since. Um, and it just sort of, it seemed like the, the appropriate uh, first show for us to do because it's very close to our own history with growing up in Barkerville and, um, yeah, no, like hearing stories of these people where uh, the play itself is fiction, but there's a lot of historical references um, and different things that are maybe based on other uh, real people who lived in Barkerville. Um, yeah, and it's just, it's something that just seemed to really, to really fit, uh, fit with our mandate about telling complex human stories. Um, these characters kind of form a little bit of a family as they go, and that's also something we want to focus on. Um, yeah, so it seemed, it, it all seemed to fall into place, and it was really lovely. Awesome. And um, why isn't the title of Caribou Magi? Magi. Mm. Uh, well, it takes place in the Caribou. <laughs> um, and I think that, so the, the Magi comes from the, the three wise men in the biblical Christmas story. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. um, they're known as the Magi. And so what we're seeing now is sort of the caribou equivalent of these people who are traveling on this, this journey through the forest and through this treacherous um, environment to to go somewhere for Christmas and to bring this gift to the people there. That's kind of my interpretation of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, sorry. <laughs> so is this a moment where there are plays within plays or are we only looking at the story of these characters and they kind of never see them act as characters? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there is a play within There is play. such a play within the play. <laughs> Um, so yeah, as they as they travel um, to the Caribou, they are rehearsing these three different plays along the way. So we see little snippets of them running lines and talking about uh, talking about like different situations in Hamlet. Um, and each of these plays or characters that they're that the characters are um, portraying in these other plays. Um, they each have something that kind of relates to their own lives, which is really interesting. Um, so you can you get to see this uh, morphing of, you know, uh, Marta Reddy, who Shelby plays, um, also plays Ophelia in Hamlet. And you start to see this morphing of Marta's life and Ophelia's life. Um, and that kind of happens throughout the journey. And then at the very end, they do put on their play, but in a in a way that they did not, not ex in an unexpected <laughs> way. Um, well, you'll, yeah, you'll have to come see the show to see exactly. how that turns out. <laughs> awesome. And so, um, what was the preparation like for a play? Like, I mean, first time doing a production entirely by yourselves. What were some difficulties that you maybe weren't expecting? Or like, what were some really cool parts of the process that you really enjoyed? Um... Good question. There's been there have been a lot of things that have been unexpected, but we've I think been very fortunate in that mm -hmm. things just keep we keep getting very very lucky um, with the people that we find to work with. Um, that was one of the sort of challenges I think is we had myself. Um, I was always on board to play Marta. Um, our friend Stephen Elchashen was always on board to play uh, William Teller. Um, and then we needed to cast the roles of Fanny Dubot, who's a French feisty saloon owner in San Diego. Um, and then we needed to cast Mackie, who Zach's playing. And uh, there are some some challenges with, with casting. I mean, Fanny needs to be somebody who can speak French, first of all. <laughs> and, uh, and then Mackie's a very, very specific character. And so there was definitely some stress about how we were going to find those exact people. And we end up 
having Rose McNeil, who I've worked with before, came and read for Fanny, and she was a really great fit. And then the last sort of missing link was was we found Zach. So do you do you want to talk a little bit about what that sure. process was? Yeah, um, I come from Alberta. Um, I've actually I've done the show before. Um, I'm friends with the playwright, and she sent me the link to the audition notice, and I auditioned like any other actor. Um, but yeah, I had played the role before, and it's a, it's a tricky role. Joe is a translator in the gold mines, um, speaks seven languages, and he learned those seven languages because uh, he's an orphan and he doesn't know where he's from, and so he's been trying to find find his family and find where he belongs, um, which has been a lot of a lot of my journey as well. I I was adopted when I was six months old, and spent a lot of my life like rediscovering who I am. And so, like, it's, having played the role before, like, it's, it's, it, depending where I am in that journey, the show uh, shifts for me. It was two years ago, the last time I did it, and my journey has shifted, and so, like, my understanding of the character has shifted, and I think that's, that's a big reason why I wanted to take it on again, um, and make the journey from Calgary to be here. <laughs> but, yeah. Has it been, how has this experience been like for you with working with this new productions and all of that? It's great. Um, I love I love the the independent theater process. Um, I produce my own work as well, and like it's a ton of work, um, but like I know so much of what goes into that process. So to work alongside it as a performer, I think like this work that we do so much like we need you have to have so much trust do theater mm -hmm. and my experience of that trust is built on grace and the more common experience I have with people the more the more grace there is for all the all the the ups and downs of independent work and so it's been really exciting um, and it's fun like it's such a it's such a bizarre show <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong <laughs> It's so fun right now because we uh, we're rehearsing in Shelley's apartment <laughs> on her like she lives in like an, an artist housing so we have like a, a studio like a big concrete studio and it's I don't know I'm living there too right now and so <laughs> it's so fun to like just like have the space transformed by the story and I think that's the hope too right that we mm -hmm. the space that we take the story into and the audience that we share it with that we transform we transform that space. It's a very unique uh, process in that, like, we, because Joelle and I are family and we approach theater as um, a way to, to collaborate and we kind of have made it our goal to want to be able to become family with the people that we're working with. Mm -hmm. And so it's like this, it's, there's a lot of fun, it's a lot of work, but there's a, an atmosphere of, like Zach said, I think grace is a really good word to describe it, but then we also have, like, my cat will just sometimes <laughs> to walk through a scene. <laughs> it's very informative. I was I was washing the bar the other day in a scene, and then suddenly the cat jumps up, and I'm like, "Well, now I gotta go take the cat and feed it." And it became a character. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like that's that's one of the cool freedoms with creating your own work. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm really really grateful for the people who have come and are kind of on board and and willing to to go with it mm -hmm. with all of the weirdness. I'd also add something that's interesting about the sort of the what we describe as indie theater mm -hmm. is the usual scenario, at least in my experience with indie theater, which is different than quote unquote professional theater or quote unquote community theater, 
is that we're not, we have that shoestring budget, and this is, again, it's a, it's a passion project, right, that we've chosen to do, but every person involved in this production is a professional in the industry. Um, but it's hard to make a living as a professional, and so you still want to do work that is uh, at the level that, that we trained at, mm-hmm. and that all of us at some point on and off get to work at. And so to come together as a bunch of professionals, I think that's what makes this process unique mm-hmm. from other types of theater. The hierarchy isn't really um, a big thing in the room, which is nice, because Joel's, Joel's directing the play, but there's still offers constantly being made by everybody in the room. We had our uh, assistant stage manager join us for the first time yesterday, and already she was jumping in with, oh, here's a possible solution to this thing, and all ideas are very much welcomed, and um, yeah. I was uh, I was told by someone about, when I was asking for advice on, on directing, and what she said was, uh, I always make sure the, the best idea in the room wins, no matter who that comes from. So I like that. if that's my idea, that's great, and that's the best idea, and that's going to be in the show. If the best idea comes from the ASM or one of the actors or someone who's just like Shelby's husband who's just in the room or something like that, then, then that's the idea that wins, and it's my job to just cultivate all of those ideas to make it come together in the best way that it can. It sounds like a very cool environment to work in and a very cool environment to create something mm-hmm. like this. Yeah. Um, I think my last question then becomes... With the Havana Theater, it is a very intimate, intimate theater. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> very small. It's one actually, like, one of the small theaters that I love the most in Vancouver. It's very cool. Um, how do you make it sustainable? Mm. Uh, define sustainable. <laughs> well, in the production package, there's one of the goals that you have mm-hmm. is to have, create sustainable yeah, theater. Yeah. And so I'm curious, like, what is sustainable theater for you? So one of the things that has inspired Joelle and I as we've created this company, um, we've noticed a lot that, that in, in theater, it's very easy to create a lot of waste because you're constantly having to create a new world, a new space, new people, costumes are being built, set pieces are being built, things are being repainted over and over and over again. And oftentimes theaters don't have storage space to keep all of that stuff. So you can build this big, huge, elaborate set. I, I did a set design for a show once where I had to build an Italian castle. And most of those pieces end up... Some pieces can go into storage if there is some, but a lot of pieces just end up getting thrown away. And so we wanted to really work hard to create a theater that was going to um, create as little waste as possible, partly because that actually works really well with having a small budget. It means that you need to be very smart about the materials that you use and stay away from things that are huge and spectacular and focus more on the human elements so we focus a lot on the actors performances and making sure that that those really speak and that the space that we're creating um is actually something that it's we talk about theater magic this idea of convention where the audience comes in they've already agreed that they're going to believe whatever we tell them for like the next two hours that they're going to you know i'm not actually a, a German child star from 1870, but they're going to believe that I am for that two hours. So we may as well push them a little further and help them and have them believe that we're in these snow-covered mountains, even though they're not necessarily seeing them literally. So we love to to find sort of tricky ways of being able to interpret the space. So in the Havana, a lot of our set is going to be a paint job. We've got an amazing set designer named Ariel Slack, 
is coming in and doing this beautiful paint treatment. And our set and props pieces are, are I mean, there's a lot of props, but they're, the set is quite minimal and almost everything that we're using is either rented or borrowed or reused and repurposed in some way. So we really believe in trying to, to, to use things that are already in existence instead of creating more waste. And then the things that we are building and using, we're planning on using over and over and over again. Amazing. And do you want to remind us when the, when the show is happening? So when can people catch it? Yeah, so it's running from December the 4th to the 14th at the Havana Theatre. Shows are at 7.30 and we do have one 2 p.m. matinee on December the 7th. Amazing. Well, I'm very excited and I hope everyone gets a chance to watch it. Um, thank you so much for coming in and talking to me. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Thanks so much. French vanilla. French vanilla. French vanilla. French vanilla. French vanilla. MRG Concerts and CITR presents French Vanilla at the Biltmore Cabaret on December 5th. Tickets on sale now at mrgconcerts.com and eventbrite.ca. CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver. Yep, yep, yep. Radio, 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 radio. Hello! <laughs> We're back after that, that amazing <laughs> ESA. <laughs> yeah. It was a wow. whole new experience. That was interesting. Um, to the point that Silvana was like, can you guys hear this too? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Maybe she's going insane. Who knows? Oh, know. <laughs> we don't know. Well, Maybe book us exam. I mean, yeah. <laughs> End of the term, right? Exactly. Oof. Um, this is our last show. Um, exam season is upon us. Yeah. And we are set to go, but we'll be coming back in January. Yes, we will, but yeah. Silvana so, won't be, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Silvana, <laughs> I'll be going on exchange. Oh. And it makes me really sad, but yeah. I really, really like love just this like hour that we just all share yeah arts things <laughs> yeah it, it's it's been a fun term being stressful Very at times nice. yeah but you know i think we've done the best with what we have mm. i think so too yeah. and at the end of the day i'm just really glad that we did what we did yeah. um it is that kind of time of the year that we're all just like really like yeah. Uh, you know emotional yeah. and if you ever feel that you know you want to donate to someone or like you really enjoy our show feel more than you're more than welcome to donate to citr we are always in needs of funds <laughs> yes. 
Um, and exactly, if you're like, oh my god, these people are getting tickets to plays and dance shows, and like you know they're having the best time of their life, seeing different stuff. Can confirm. And yeah, <laughs> well, and you're like, I want to do that. Well, well, you can do that. Yes. <laughs> Come join our show. We are a collective, so everyone's welcome. But I was actually talking about donating to CITR. It's uh, yeah, yeah, our radio, and you can donate through our website, citr.ca. With that being said, um, our last section of our show today and our last show of the term um, of the year, of the decade. Of the decade. <gasps> of oh the decade. My God. <laughs> Oof, mind blows <laughs> right now. <laughs> of the decade. That's like a raise the bar. more. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I want to talk about Gianni Schicchi. Gianni Schicchi. Gianni Schicchi. <laughs> the Italian major in me is... <laughs> <laughs> say it Gianni. better, Lua. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, can you say it again? Gianni Schicchi. That, that beautiful pronunciation right nice. there. <laughs> um, which, it, which was put on, I was very fortunate to see it this past weekend, being, which was put on, I saw it on the last closing night. Um, but... Opera Mariposa, who put on the show, um, is every year coming back with new and different things in different operas, and it's all really cool. The one thing I want to highlight about Opera Mariposa is that it's Canada's only disability-led opera company, and um, it's accessible in every sense of the word. It wasn't just, I mean, like, obviously the space is accessible and accessible for um, all um, people with disabilities, most people. Well, I mean, they do consider disabilities in their productions, obviously, but also accessible to those, you know, not familiar with opera or not exactly sure if you want to, like, watch an opera show or not. Or, you know, like, all these little things um, that you don't think about. But, you know, art can sometimes be very, especially for the fine arts or what people, quote unquote, consider the the higher class arts mm-hmm. which which is bull like there's no such thing as high class low class art art is art and everyone should be able to enjoy it but because of those you know preconceived ideas opera is one of those things that are is usually like kind of this barrier between you know the common people again quote unquote on mm-hmm. that yeah and opera and it's like again uh opera writers did an incredible job in making it accessible in every sense of the word and especially with their choice of Gianni Schicchi. Gianni Schicchi. Gianni Schicchi. Italian is just a squeaky voice. Which is um, a really short opera, probably the shortest opera I've ever seen in my life and probably the shortest opera I'll ever see. Wow. It's about an hour long or oh, even what? less. Yeah, it's only one act. Ex- Damn. Only one act, about 10 songs, which is very, very few yeah. for an opera. And everything happens kind of like one thing after the other and it was just really entertaining it was really enjoyable you kind of sat down and And (laughs) you and excuse me someone (laughs) called me (laughs) right there but you kind of sat down and you were like oh okay i'm gonna watch the opera and by the time it was over like oh already like oh this was like really fast (laughs) especially because the actors were so so good and they're singing out of this world there was so much emotion and everything they sang and everything and all the ex- their expressions that although we were sitting in a church mm-hmm. um so, yeah so the play the production was done in a church yeah. space um there, so there was no like higher level so you couldn't like see into 
the stage very well and if you're sitting farther back obviously your vision was partially blocked mm-hmm. um but even like despite all that like i was sitting towards the middle to the back it was a great show it was like kind of one of those things that it's like there could have been like the world could be burning down burning <laughs> around me but i'm so involved in what i'm seeing on the stage right now that i don't care yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh, yes, the ceiling is falling. I could probably, like, get out of here. But, you know, what they're doing right now is so good that I don't want to leave. Mm-hmm. So it was, more like, one of those kind of shows. And I, to me, it was very interesting because, so what they did, because the show is so short, um, it, they divided it into two sections where the first section, wow, <laughs> <laughs> my voice, where the first section of the show was actually like little excerpts, so specific songs that they took from b- better known operas like mm-hmm. La Traviata, among others. And um, that kind of like made the bulk of the first part, and that took about an hour and something um, with different people playing different parts mm-hmm. and uh, different characters in the, these different kind of like skits where you're kind of like seeing an excerpt of this entire opera. Obviously, um, everything is written down in the program or else we would not understand anything. (laughs) And all the operas that they presented were in Italian, but there were words written in English in the back, like words projected. So you actually knew what they were saying, which Mm -hmm. was absolutely great. Yeah, they do that for all operas, I think. Like either like, oh, for titles or subtitles so that people can actually understand. Yeah, (laughs) because I've been to an opera where they didn't. Oh, really? Yeah. And so it was like, ah, interesting. But um, anyway, yeah, so that was really fun. That was really cool. Um, And I actually took a friend with me who she plays classical music. She plays Mm -hmm. the harp and she loves opera. And so she actually recognized like all these different scenes. Mm -hmm. And one of the scenes, the last scene, which was probably one of the most famous opera songs out there, um, which is the closing scene of La Traviata. I believe it is the closing or the opening scene of La Traviata. Mm-hmm. It's one of those two. Um, she was like, it's my favorite song. <laughs> and she was like singing it like <laughs> under her breath. And I thought that was so cute. And it's like, this is obviously something for everyone. Because like even the most, the person that loves opera the most can enjoy it. And me who has like absolutely no background in opera. <laughs> like I did not think I would be able to sit through two hours of opera. <laughs> you know, like I enjoyed it too. So it, it kind of goes to show that it's like, it is something that opera proposal has been able to do make for everyone and Mm -hmm. you know open up this space for people to enjoy this art form that we don't usually enjoy very often so that was really fun i do recommend if more opera proposal stuff is coming our way uh i'll be more than happy to share and you know check them out they're doing some incredible work out there yeah with that being said um it's unfortunately time to go yeah it's almost time to go i do want to say one last thing which is the moa exhibition that has opened about um on ceramics is really really cool we posted it some some sneak peeks onto our instagram Mm -hmm. um coming back in january because this display is going to be occurring until march March, we are um going to do more like a full-on review more talk about the show Mm -hmm. in january um but just to as a heads up it is an incredible incredible installation i am absolutely in love with it it is probably in my top like three things that moa has ever done um because it has taken me and has given me a whole new perspective on how ceramic and artists can work with molding 
mm-hmm. not just ceramic, but all aspects of clay work mm-hmm. and sculptural, you know, like physical work that isn't like mm-hmm. marble or anything yeah. like that that you're actually building from scratch. So yeah, keep keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Um, we're set to go, but you know, cool. it, it is a very well-deserved break. Um, <laughs> our minds are... <laughs> leaving us at this point in the term (laughs) we need the energy and the brain the brain power yeah power for finals (laughs) yeah and um coming next term sarah and i will be actually co-hosting for real where i'll be actually in studio (laughs) for most of the show i won't be alone anymore it's gonna be a weird feeling for like the first two shows (laughs) well yeah that's what we have for you guys today thank you so much for tuning in and I mean, keep an eye out for us on in January on January twenty second. It will be our next show. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> <laughs>